2: Fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill press show live at youtube.com/ the Bill press show.
1: All right, let's say it one more time. Happy New year everybody. Here we go into 2019. I hope your holidays were as great and as relaxing and as much fun as all of us had and now we are back into it and boy back into it big time. With the shutdown still going on last time we were together, uh, not on tape, but we were together live. Uh, we were celebrating the fact that uh, there was not going to be any shutdown because uh, the Democrats in the House, the Republicans in the House, the Democrats in the Senate, the Republicans in the Senate had all reached a deal. Even the White House said at that time that they were ready to uh, settle for what the Congress had come up with. And then the Freedom Caucus got involved and Donald Trump total did a total 180. And now we are into, I don't know, day what, almost, what, 10 days, 12 days or so of a shutdown with no end in sight. And one man still all isolated, fuming, keeping the thing going down at the White House. Good to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got lots and lots to talk about. Not just the shutdown, but a tremendous beginning to the new year for NASA reaching out four billion of miles uh, to put a little spacecraft around a great big rock out there. We wanted to know more about. A huge success. And the first of maybe 30. Democrats jumping into the 2020 race, Elizabeth Warren announcing her exploratory committee on New Year's Eve. So much to talk about, so much you will want to get into, so get ready. Send your comments on Twitter, starting right now, at BP Show, at BP Show. We'll uh, jump right into all of the news of the day with all of our guests, but first... (laughs) This is the uh, Full Peter, Hello, Peter. Happy New Year. Happy New Year,
2: Bill. Happy New Year. Indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news in this, the year 2019. Can you uh, believe it? Here we are. Did you stay up for uh, midnight? Are you kidding? On New Year's Eve?
1: No. I don't think there's a bigger waste of time, <laughs> I'm sorry, than staying up till, to say, Happy
2: New Year. I'm with you. Uh, And there are more people who actually stay at home and just watch stuff on TV, right? It used to just be Dick Clark. Oh, this would be fun. You
1: can watch it raining in Times Square.
2: CNN, Fox News, NBC, ABC, CBS, they all have their versions of their New Year's Eve broadcast. Well, here's the thing. The uh, viewership for New Year's Eve programming Uh is down By double digits from only a year ago. No kidding. People are just not watching it anymore. Uh, Still, ABC's New Year's Rockin' Eve, which is the one that Dick Clark uh, headed up for such a long time, was in the lead. Ryan Seacrest is now the sort of head uh, of that one. Uh, But like CBS did well with Steve Harvey. Uh, CNN did Anderson Cooper, uh, no longer with Kathy Griffin, of course. But apparently people are just over it. They're just not watching.
1: I kind of think that's a good sign. It's such silly programming.
2: Every now and then we get a couple of good signs that we're going to be okay as a society. And and by the (laughs) way,
1: after Dick Clark. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well just retire that whole program. Yeah, just yeah. get rid of the whole new year thing. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. We also found out over the break who will be playing for college football's national championship. It will be the Clemson Tigers and the Alabama Crimson oh, Tide. Yes, oh, yeah, Clemson Tigers. Tide. beat yes. Notre Dame, Alabama beat Oklahoma. Roll Tide. Neither game was very close, so well, yet again, this is the fourth year in a row that Alabama will end up, uh, will, will take on Clemson. Uh, so Alabama's 1-2, Clemson's 1-1. One one. This will be the fourth. We'll see if Clemson can make it even. But one of those teams will be the national champion of college football.
1: This is getting a little deja vu. All
2: over again. Yeah, yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs>
1: This is the Bill Press Show. It is going to be one hell of a ride, folks. Welcome to 2019. Uh, Happy New Year. Even Donald Trump said calm down and enjoy the ride. Yeah, there ain't nothing to enjoy about it. Not when it starts out with the government shutdown. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are back together again. Good to see you and I uh, hope you had a great Break. Uh, too bad if you are one of those whose break was wondering when you're ever going to see another paycheck. Uh, 800,000 federal employees. Uh, but uh, I'm not saying that's not, uh, that's not important. It is. We're going to talk a lot about that. Just hope wherever you are, if a federal employee or a civilian employee or whatever, that you had a good holiday break with your friends and with your family. Uh, able to relax a little bit, have a little fun and ready to jump back in because boy this year starts off with a bang. Democrats taking control of the House of Representatives and the big uh, the big and most immediate priority for both Republicans and Democrats coming back to the Congress is how to deal with this madman in the White House who single-handedly shut down the government and insists that it will remain shut down until he gets his little toy, his big concrete, big beautiful concrete wall along the Mexican border. Great to see you folks again as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio here on Capitol Hill, with a great lineup of guests today as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And by the way, I hope you realize that the holidays made it more important than ever that you do sign up for our podcast because I um, met a lot of people in my travels uh, who listen to the podcast and were able to listen to the podcast and all of the special podcasts that we put up. Thanks, particularly to the work of Peter Agburn and Ray Rogers uh, and Cyprian Balding uh, and Monty as well to uh, to get our special programming up all during the holiday season. We had a lot of really good stuff up there.
2: We had uh, brand new content uh, every day while we were gone. It was a little over a week. And by the way, if you were traveling, you didn't get to listen to it or you're out of the habit or whatever, it's still up there. So all last week uh, and Monday, Tuesday of this week, we had brand new content. From sports
1: on- to politics to food to everything. Beer. covered it. We, we did beer, beer. Beer, right, yeah.
2: So you, you can still go check it out if you yeah. want to get like a couple of year-end reviews on some stuff.
1: BillPressShow.com or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Bill Press Show is there. Uh, we also join you, of course, on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And uh, on the great WCPT out in Chicago, still going strong, of course, for a long time, the progressive voice of Chicago, one and only progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT, and uh, so good to see you, too, on television, on Free Speech TV, looking good out there in TV land. Our guest today, Abby Livingston, joins us from the Texas Tribune to talk about the Beto O'Rourke phenomenon. No, not the Senate race anymore, now the presidential race. Will he be the second to jump in, he certainly is looking at it, making all kinds of noise. Nikki Schwab covers the White House for the New York Post. Uh, yeah, Donald Trump spent the holla—he was so fond of telling us every day, oh, I'm working in the White House. I'm working, now. You guys are out celebrating. I'm in the White House. Yeah, what did he get done? Nothing. Nikki Schwab will be here. Uh, tell us all about the latest from the White House. And then Amanda Becker joins us from Thomson Reuters. Uh, covering the new Congress and what we can expect from Democrats now taking back control of the House. A great lineup there. Uh, And again, we look forward to hearing your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Yes, indeed. So the last time that we got together, you know, uh, boy, how things changed overnight. In fact, I ran into a few people early in my uh, vacation who had just listened to our podcast on Thursday morning, the Thursday before Christmas when we just emphatically stated there was not going to be any shutdown. So that was a relief. We were going not going to end the year with a shutdown. Federal employees were going to get their paychecks. And that is, by the way, we didn't make that up. That is the way it was that Thursday morning, whatever the date was, maybe the 20th, 20th, whatever. Uh, and uh, because, if you recall, the Senate... Democrats came up with a plan, for which included $1.6 billion for border security. It passed the Senate, passed the Senate, Republicans and Democrats, at that time. It passed the Senate. Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, still then, said, we'll go along with this. It's good with us. The White House said, we'll go along with this. It's good for us. We'll find some other money to pay for the wall. And at that time with the House and the Senate and the White House all saying, got a plan, we all support it, we, of course, said there won't be a shutdown. <laughs> then, later that day, Mark Meadows, head of the Freedom Caucus, went down to the White House and basically said to Donald Trump, what the hell are you doing? You can't do this. This is going to hurt your base, you know, ba uh, ba ba ba. And then Donald Trump did a total 180 and announced that he wouldn't sign that bill in the first place And there was the shutdown uh, uh, as of the next day on Friday. And we have been in the shutdown ever since. Uh, And, frankly, no end in sight. Uh, Now, but, I should say, but this is a new day. This is a new day in Washington, D.C. This is a new day in this country. Because Congress comes back today, tomorrow, in effect it's already done, tomorrow Democrats take back control of the House. So Donald Trump has, I think where they really overplayed their hand and misplayed their hand is Donald Trump and the Republicans had their best shot to get this thing resolved this last week. And instead they came back to town, they had maybe one meeting, they couldn't agree, and they went back home for New Year's Day, and got nothing done. And now it's a new sheriff in town. Her name is Nancy Pelosi, and there is no way Nancy Pelosi is going to cave uh, and give Donald Trump what he wants. And by the way, can we say this again? Donald, everybody, every, Here's what gets me. Everybody is saying, if you remember one thing about this broadcast, this is what I want you to take away. This idea that Donald Trump has to have his wall because he promised it to his base, which everybody reports, is bogus. It is totally bogus. I really want to call BS on that this morning because Donald Trump never just said, I'm going to build a wall during this his campaign. That's not what he promised his base. We remember he promised his base, I'm going to build a wall and, and Mexico is going to pay for it. You remember that. You remember that? He would say, we're going to build a wall, and who's going to pay for it? And the crowd would all say, Mexico, Mexico. Well, guess what? Now he's out there saying, I'm going to build a wall, and you are going to pay for it. No, no, that wasn't the deal. So this idea that by not building the wall, he's broken his deal with his base is total BS. He's already broken his deal with a base by making us pay for it. We, We should not even be having a debate about how much money he's going to get for the wall. He didn't want any money for the wall originally. He promised we would not have to give one penny for the wall. That was the promise. He's already broken that promise. So let's get away from this nonsense. I mean, please, my friends in the media, stop repeating this nonsense that Donald Trump has to have the wall to pay to uh, reward his base or else his base might desert him. He's already stabbed them in the back.
2: Absolutely. And I also can't. Think of yeah. anything that would actually make his base desert him. No. Like if he comes out and he says, you know, folks, I realize we're not going to get the wall. We're going to find another way to do this, blah, blah, blah. His base wouldn't leave him. His base isn't leaving.
1: They blame it on Democrats. Right. Like him. Yeah, they blame yes, it on Mitch yes. McConnell. Like him. They blame it. They find somebody else to blame on. It's I never mean, his fault. Donald Trump, the truest thing he ever said was he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and his base would never desert him. That's right. Because they're idiots. They're total brain dead. Yeah. Donald Trump's base. So there we are, and it is, it is one, it is, yes, it is one man who stands in the way of getting the government back open again. And by the way, let's just say, you know, most of us are not federal employees, but this is real hardship for 800,000 people, 800,000 people who have families, uh, many of whom, like most Americans, live. From paycheck to paycheck, and it may be true that they're going to get paid eventually, but what do they do in the meantime? Tomorrow, I, no, today I believe is the first day when paychecks are due into the into the shutdown, and for a lot of a lot of Americans, a lot of these federal employees who are great men and women who do a great job serving us every single day, they're going to line up. There won't be any paycheck. They still got. They still have bills to pay. They still have mortgage to pay. They still have bills for their, to put food on the table. They still got their car payment or whatever. Uh, they may not have much money in the bank. How long are their savings going to last, and why should they be put in that situation? But they are. And not only that, as of today, um, by the way, um, if you're coming into Washington with your family, you know, we're here for the holidays, it's going to be a little different today. So far, uh, the uh, Smithsonian Museums, the National Zoo... All across the country, many of our national parks were able to remain open because they had some leftover funds. In in some cases, they had leftover funds, like for the Smithsonian, that they were able to use to keep things going for a few days. Uh, in many of the national parks, and I know because I was visiting one, Point Reyes National Seashore, out in Marin County, California, where my our son David works, um, there are volunteers in many of the parks who picked up Park, park volunteers, park activists, whatever, and were able to clean the toilets, clean the bathrooms, you know, replace new toilet paper, sweep up, clean up, get rid of the trash, uh, keep the trails open. Uh, they're gone. So as of today, Smithsonian museums, all of them in Washington, are going to be closed. Uh, the National Gallery closed. The National Zoo closed. National parks, which have been able to remain open, most of them have run out of funds or run out. The volunteers are gone back to work. Uh, they're going to be shut down. Gates closed. Uh, so this is, you know. That's interesting. More and more and more people impacted by this one-man Trump stupid shutdown.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point because, you know, you hear about government employees who will be affected by this. And a lot of people outside of D.C. don't necessarily, you know. Uh, ha know a ton of federal employees, and so it's a yeah. relatively small fraction of of the workforce. But now you're talking about all the things that regular people cannot experience on a day to day basis, and now we're actually going to start, you know, feeling it around the country. Totally outside of just the people who you know aren't getting paid.
1: Yeah, but again, the idea the the out is so outrageous that one man should be so fixated. On getting what is, let's face it, a totally unnecessary, totally made-up solution to our immigration problem by building a massive concrete wall along along the entire border, that one man is so fixated on that that he is able to and willing to use his power to shut down the federal government and keep it shut down until he gets his way. I mean, that's not really the way democracy is supposed to work. And by the way, it is one man, but it is also, and we've got to remember this and keep coming back to this, it is also the Republicans in the Senate particularly, because there are not enough of them in the House now to make any difference, the Republicans in the Senate who still refuse to stand up to Donald Trump. So I lay this on Donald. This is a Trump shutdown. This is a Mitch McConnell shutdown as well. Because Nancy Pelosi, who will be speaker as of tomorrow, uh, she and Chuck Schumer already on Monday, late Monday, New Year's Eve, laid out uh, five or six bills to get the government back working again, to provide some money for border security, not for the wall, and to fund those agencies which are not border-related, through September, and to fund DHS for another month so they can work out some solution to the border security. Uh, That will pass the House easily. Uh, That would pass the Senate easily if Mitch McConnell would allow it to a vote. Mitch McConnell says, I won't even bring it up for a vote unless President Trump says he will sign it. So talk about leadership. Mitch McConnell basically is saying, no, I'm no longer the head of the Senate. I'm just a lackey for Donald Trump. That's all I am. I'm just here to do whatever Donald Trump wants, and I won't do anything that Donald Trump doesn't like. How long? How long before Republicans in the Senate tell Mitch McConnell, "You either get, you either let us vote on shutting down the government, or, I mean getting the government back again, or you're out of a job, dude"?
2: That's a really good question, and I, I wonder I, if they're ever going to get the picture. Or if they're going to get the picture, but it's going to be just way, way too late. I mean, look, the Republicans held on to the Senate in the midterms. And and we've talked about
1: this. This proves the tragedy of that. really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: We've talked about how tough of a senatorial map it was for Democrats. But there are going to be plenty of Republicans who didn't get the message in the midterms. Right. That Donald Donald Trump's ideas are not winning around the country. And so they might just keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. And then at some point it's going to break for them.
1: Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, as if uh, that was not uh, enough of a blow to federal employees, Donald Trump, in the middle of the shutdown, when federal employees are not getting their paycheck, are working, Those of, some of them have to come into work, essential people have to come into work and still don't get their paycheck. Uh, And some of them are just furloughed, basically, until the government reopens. But in the middle of all of that hardship, Donald Trump also said, uh, by the way, um, I'm going to kick you while you're down. I am also going to put in a pay freeze for federal employees. Gee, we had enough money to give the wealthiest of Americans a big tax break, but we don't have enough money to give the federal employees what they're contractually entitled to. Which is a 2.1 cost percent cost of living increase. Uh, Donald Trump said he's going to cancel that for 2019. Yeah, so while you're down, I'm just going to give you another kick in the balls and uh, that's who I am. I got to say I was so proud of the American Federation of Government employees. Uh, they are sponsors of our show. We love them. Uh, under the leadership of J. David Cox, they filed a lawsuit yesterday uh, against the Trump administration for the shutdown. They are fighting back. They're the largest federal employees union. Uh, good for them Uh, but Donald Trump of course uh, he all sees this as uh, just part of the wild ride he says, calm down and enjoy the ride he put out a little video actually uh, on uh, New Year's uh, Eve wishing everybody a happy new year
2: well I'm at the White House working you're out there partying tonight but I don't blame you enjoy yourselves, we're going to have a great year have a really, really happy New Year.
1: Oh, yeah. And he says, I want you to know. I want you to know. He made a big deal of this. So he didn't go to Mar-a-Lago, right? He stayed in the White House instead, except for this little detour he did to Iraq, which was a total public relations disaster. Turned that into a political stunt, of course, signing hats, promising, uh, lying, lying to the troops, telling him he'd given him a 10% pay raise, which he had not done. Made it, again, everything. It's just like when he did that phone call to the troops on Thanksgiving. He turned it into a political event about, you got to support me on the wall. I know you do, the whole thing, right? Uh, But anyway, aside from that, he stayed in the White House. And he he put out this great photo of how hard he was working in the White House. Here I am at my desk. Look at me, working in the White House. And there was one piece of paper on the desk, and there was nothing on the piece of paper. Amazing. (laughs) You would think, right, the picture would be, okay, let's say if you're working for the White House, we're going to do this. Then you'd have the desk filled with piles of paper, right, files. You'd have people standing around. No, it was just Donald Trump at his desk, one piece of paper, nothing on it. But Donald Trump made a big deal of it. Here I am. I'm working for you, he says uh, in that same video. I'm
2: working on this wall. We have to have a wall as part of border security. And we're working on it. We've had a great two years. I'm working hard for you. I'm fighting for you.
1: I'm fighting for you.
2: (laughs) What did did he do? What did he do in this last week and a half since the government shut down? What did he accomplish?
1: Nothing. Right? Yeah. Nothing. Rattle around the White House. Right?
2: He didn't advance this at all. He tweeted a couple of things. About the wall, he tweeted a couple of things that were completely irrelevant too. But it's not like he was working on it, as he says. No,
1: and so now he's called a meeting at the White House today. So he's invited the Republican and the Democratic leadership come down to the White House today for a total BS meeting on border security. (laughs) That BS doesn't stand for border security, (laughs) but he's got a BS meeting at the White House uh, as if. Uh, and as if Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to come down there and just fold and cave and say, whatever you want, Mr. President. No, that's not the way it works. Uh, and a speaker to be Pelosi made it clear yesterday when she said Donald Trump has to realize that Democrats now control the House and reread the Constitution. We are Article One of the Constitution. We uh, we appropriate the money. Uh, we are an equal branch of government. We are just as powerful as he is, just as important as he is. Uh, And this wall, as Nancy, Nancy Pelosi has said, should never be built and will. Donald Trump has to realize that. Should never be built and will never be built. Take it to the bank. Donald Trump will never get his wall. We all know that. I somehow think Donald Trump has to know that. But so far, he hasn't recognized it. There are a couple of other things that are happening today. We have a new defense secretary, Patrick Shanahan. Remember when uh, General James Mattis re- resigned in that scathing letter to the president? By the way, here's a question. When is uh, Jim Mattis going to finally admit that he's the one who wrote that op-ed to the New York Times? <laughs> Don't you think? Could have been. Don't you think it sounds, but you hear him, what he says now? Really, We, we suspected him at the time. He was one of the chief. He was definitely one of the
2: names out there. One
1: of the names out there. But anyway, when he sent his uh, resignation letter to the president, after the president uh, just suddenly said he was going to pull all the troops out of Syria overnight, basically, within a month, um, James Mattis said he was going to stay until the end of February just to, for the smooth transition. Uh, Donald Trump said, no, you're not. You're out of here January 1. And, and in fact, this morning new defense secretary, Patrick Shanahan, uh, who was the number two. In By the way, interestingly, Shanahan was in charge of the business side of the Pentagon, doing all the deals with the contractors. James Mattis was in charge of the troops and the military side of the Pentagon. So it's going to be interesting to see how the guy who was the bookkeeper, basically, or the business dealer, made the business deals what capacity, if any, he has to know policy and military strategy. At any rate, Shanahan showed up at the Defense Department. All, he's all, he was there early, early this morning telling report and, and just very quick comment to reporters. Hey, morning, What's priority number one? Get the job done. Take care. There it is. There he goes. Get, Get the, the job the done. Pentagon Before Get the, the sun done. comes up. There he is. Yeah, Indeed. Uh, And also, yes, we have about 30 people in line. Uh, Oh, by the way, while we're talking about Syria, remember the guy who was most upset about pulling the troops out of Syria? Uh, It was Lindsey Graham. Oh, man. Oh, God, Lindsey was so pissed. Wasn't he, though? Oh, man. So mad. We thought this was No, he was going to break his ties with Donald Trump over Syria. In fact, he threatened to do so, basically. He said, yeah, Donald Trump is so wrong. And we thought, this is it. Okay, Lindsey's going to finally go back to being... What we used to know of him as the the sensible, rational Republican who was willing to stand up to Donald Trump, and then Lindsey stayed in town so he could have lunch with the president down the White House, one on one, and Lindsey walked out and talked to reporters, and suddenly, Lindsey,
3: I, f- I feel better about Syria than I than I felt
1: oh. uh, before I had lunch. Oh. I
3: think the president's
2: taking mm. this really seriously, mm-hmm. and the trip to Iraq was well-timed
1: mm-hmm. kiss his ass lindsey oh Amazing. god what
2: <laughs> wow i'm shocked man. oh Aren't I, you just I am shocked? so shocked i just yeah. can't believe this i
1: gotta tell you man you know you don't have to buy lindsey graham you can rent lindsey graham
4: <laughs>
1: god it's so bad at any rate uh as i started to say we have uh some 30 people in line indeed um but first one out of the pack on New Year's Eve, a meeting with reporters outside of her house up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren telling the world, uh, telling the reporters there that she had formed an exploratory committee.
3: I grew up in a paycheck to paycheck family, and my big chance was a commuter college that cost $50 this semester. I run for office because I'm grateful down to my toes for the opportunities that were given to me, and I am determined that we will give those same opportunities, not just to some of our kids, but to all of our kids.
1: She also released a video, a very upbeat video, saying, uh, you know, we uh, we can beat Donald Trump, and we will.
3: In the last two years, millions of people have done more than they ever thought they would to protect the promise of America. And here's what we learned. If we organize together, if we fight together, if we persist together, we can win. We can and we will.
1: And, of course, Donald Trump has to comment speaking to Fox Business. He says, hey, she's a loser, basically.
2: Elizabeth Warren will be the first. She did very badly in uh, proving Hmm. that she was of Indian heritage. That didn't work out too well.
1: Uh yeah, get used to right. hearing that. Get, uh, of course, He's just he's gonna good.
2: say it over and over and over again.
1: Yeah. And then uh, the, I mean, he already has, but yeah. he's gonna keep doing it more. And the anchor said, You think she can win? He said, Ask her psychiatrist. I mean the whole thing. He can't you know, personal attacks are that's 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 who he is. Be best. Uh right. As uh, even Mitt Romney said in the Washington Post this morning in an op ed that he had hoped that once he had won the nomination back in twenty sixteen, Donald Trump would give up the personal attacks he did not then, and he has continued the, the, the very same yet. But you know what? Elizabeth Warren could beat Donald Trump, and she's just the first of 30. I don't know about you. Uh, I want to wait and see how this thing plays out before I pick any particular horse to ride in 2020. Um, but Elizabeth Warren is a good one. She would make a great president, uh, and um, and I think she'd be a strong contender against Donald Trump. But she's not the only one. How about that Senate candidate from Texas? How about Beto O'Rourke? Huh. Nobody. He's certainly looking at it. And nobody knows him better than Abby Livingston from the Texas Tribune, who's been reporting on the O'Rourke campaign from the very, very beginning. Abby joins us next here on the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Good to be back. So let's take a quick break and continue talking 2020, particularly Beto O'Rourke and Texas, coming up next. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And on a Wednesday, January 2nd, uh, what do you say? Hello, uh, hello everybody, and a Happy New Year to you. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C. It is the Bill Press Show. Uh, first day, first show of the new year, and brought to you by the American Federation of Government Employees, the largest federal employees, Uh, representing more federal workers hit by the shutdown than anybody else. Uh, The union, under the leadership of President J. David Cox, filed a lawsuit against the Trump administration yesterday saying they had violated federal contracts uh, by the very nature of the uh, shutdown. Uh, Good for them, and we salute them and thank them uh, for their support of the program. Wish them good luck in this effort. Check out their website, more about that lawsuit, at afge.org. As promised, uh, Abby Livingston joins us as the first guest of the new year. It's such
5: a high honor. Hello, Abby. It's Hi. an honor
1: for us. Nice to see you. Thanks Thank for you. having me. All the best in 2019. Uh, and we've been at it for a little bit here, uh, stirring up some first comments of the year, Peter.
2: Yes, indeed. We tweeted out uh, at BP Show. This is our BP first show. day back, too. Right? Back. Yeah, we've yeah. been gone for a little while. Uh, we tweeted out, the Democrats are taking back control of the House. It's a whole new ball game for Donald Trump. Do you think he'll know how to play? Uh, let me just say we got a lot of people who just wrote back one word. No. No, <laughs> no yes. you will not know what to do. So uh, if you have a different opinion, you can go find us on Twitter, at okay. Beep. Onto some of the other comments, Linda says he never did play well with others, I can't imagine he's going to start now, Uh, yes. Uh, About what Donald Trump would have to do to lose his base, Uh, Rob says all of the Trump supporters are enablers, nothing uh, more, nothing less, that's really what it's all about. And. Gabe says that, you know, Donald Trump always calls Elizabeth Warren Bocahontas. Uh, Elizabeth Warren should just respond by calling him Brocahontas, since he doesn't have the money that he claims to have. Uh, if you have a comment on any topic at any time, you can find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Right.
1: Thank you, Peter. Thank you all for your comments. Keep them coming uh, on Twitter, at BP, at, Bill, at BP Show. Sorry about that. Uh, a little programming note, wherever uh, Here and Now shows up um, on NPR, wherever you happen to live, I'm going to uh, join them this afternoon. Um, uh, again, it is um, East Coast time, 1 o'clock, one o six actually, but uh, it plays at different times all around the country. I hear it at different times all around the country. So uh, I'll join you on NPR Here and Now a little bit later today. So, Abby, let's talk about Beto. Um, First of all, is he running?
5: You know, it's really hard to tell. Um, I think he is genuinely uh, confused. And the reason is because it's this amazing opportunity. How many people who are in politics have the entire party going to them saying, please run, please do this, I will help you. And at the same time, you have three children under the age of 12. And it seems like his wife is warming up to this, that it's more becoming that they're moving in that direction. And it, it, I, I've had a lot of people compare it to Barack Obama over Christmas 2006. Yeah. And in early January, he announced his exploratory. And so um, I, I don't think his head was there at all a few months ago. But I mean, I, I think it's hard to ignore this. And in one of the maxims of politics is you generally get one shot, whether you're Chris Christie in 2012 and um, Elizabeth Warren in 2016. We'll see if that pans out. But... A lot of times the momentum's there for you in one moment, and if you don't seize it, it may not come again. The Um,
2: timeline is so interesting, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because before the Christmas break, there were whispers about Beto O'Rourke and is he going to run and all of this stuff. And now, over the break, which was a week and a half, it just felt like people got very much behind Beto O'Rourke's candidacy for president.
1: A lot of people did, for a sure. A lot of people I did. I mean, the buzz, is, the buzz is just incredible. I hear it. I heard it everywhere over the holidays, everywhere I went. And by the way, I, I just have to say, I'm a strong believer in the you get one shot rule, uh, which uh, is why I'm a little skeptical about Elizabeth Warren. Um, Barack Obama saw that and did it, and it worked, right? There are some exceptions, you know, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, yeah. Yeah, we think of right away. But uh, Chris Christie, certainly, I believe if he had run in twenty twelve, he would have been the nominee. Uh, and uh, so now that that's phasing better. So, is he a wealthy person?
5: He's extremely wealthy. His uh, uh-huh. via his wife. Um, her father okay. is a real estate tycoon in El Paso, and he might even be a billionaire. So, mm-hmm. O'Rourke, personally, I've actually gone through his disclosures. Um, he's worth. Millions, maybe tens of millions at this point. Okay, and so, he's so he does not have to worry
1: about where his next paycheck is coming absolutely from. Absolutely not. And he's, he could run, he could spend the next two years running and still be okay.
5: Absolutely. I, I would say, I would stress that children are probably much more of a consideration than any financial concerns.
1: Right. What What is it about his, and you covered it so, so closely, what is it about his campaign that propels him to be such an attractive, potential presidential candidate?
5: Well, in Texas, he... Because fl- he lost. He, he lost, but boy, that was a moral victory. And that's a term that's not popular in Texas. It's a mocked term for Democrats, like what yeah. is a moral victory and how many times can you lose? There was a moment on election night where it looked like he could win. Now, the rural vote came in much more slowly, and that's when Cruz crept up and surpassed him, but we're talking less than three points in a state that Wendy Davis lost by 20 And so, I mean, the direction he moved the party and the coattails he offered down-ballot candidates transformed Texas politics. Now, what we've seen in the past is that can all get wiped away in one Republican wave. But the other thing is – and I still hear about this – is how much he flattered individual Texans by showing up in their neighborhoods, whether they were African-Americans, Hispanics, wealthy white people. In Texas, you campaigned as a Democrat. You went to Dallas. You went to San Antonio. You went to Austin, Houston, and the Valley. He went everywhere. Now, how that may work in Iowa, if he chooses to do that, that's that's the game plan for Iowa for most candidates.
1: Well, there are only 99 counties in Iowa. <laughs> as opposed
5: to 254. Um, <laughs> but once you pass Iowa and New Hampshire, how affect you you know that you can't run that kind of campaign anymore but um, and there was a charisma there and I, I will plead as a reporter I've covered him since his first race uh, in 2012 I never noticed it I never picked up on it until early last year and I went to an event and I was like whoa and I talked to one of his colleagues and she saw it before mm-hmm. he was even sworn in, she mm-hmm. saw. She said she saw a future president, and I was sort of startled. And I, so I, I feel like I missed something as a reporter. But there, there is a star power there that is very tangible.
1: And he raised a ton of money.
5: Uh, looks like eighty million dollars. Yeah. I mean that's an incredible sum of money, and it was something that's
1: presidential money.
5: It, it is, and I was. I remember about 2 years ago right now I called a Democratic Senate strategist and sort of said Bob Park figure what do you, what would he have to raise or for this to be competitive and he said 30 to 50 million and we both laughed and I mean he rose, raised twice that and so um, it was a lot of small dollar donations I mean there was it was it was so embedded in the social culture of Texas among Democrats that I went I had one friend whose um, doctor had a dinner party and the the idea was I'm inviting all of y'all over for dinner and you donate what you would have spent dining out to Beto's campaign. And it was that sort of thing mm-hmm. that just sort of caught on and it was quite an extraordinary thing.
1: Right. He's uh, as attractive as he is. He's a white male. Is that a strike against him?
5: So this is a fascinating thing. So I I think it's a strike in that I often hear people say a Biden o'rourke ticket and i you know i'm a I,
1: biden o'rourke
5: yes and i think biden oh
1: two white males
5: <laughs> yeah floated that and i'm like i don't know if one young one old i, I don't know Older. if that'll pass muster in this democratic party but on the flip side i had a conversation over the holidays with a out-of-state feminist and she was all in for beto she hopes he runs and so i think back to two years ago where At least in the feminist world there was such a devotion to the concept of getting hillary elected elected and having that first woman president and in some pockets he's overriding that
1: Uh, even among women
5: i i think i mean he had a unique appeal among women Mm -hmm. one of the reasons i sensed he had a strong shot was the weekend before the election in my hometown all of these women whose daughters I went to school with or children I went to school with, they were outdoor knocking and they were women who I thought were probably Republicans. And so there was a definite women factor for him that um, I hadn't seen in in other candidates. How
1: well did he do among the Latino vote?
5: I have not. I need to go back and look at those numbers. I know there was some disappointment in his performance in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, And so uh, (laughs) I, I... I, I I don't – I think he underperformed, and I think if he'd done better, he probably would have closed the race, but I still think he did pretty good.
1: Right. So where is he now? Do we have a timeline? I mean, Elizabeth Warren's already out, so –
5: I think he's taking his time. I haven't checked in in the last week or so, but I think he's taking his time and probably just thinking. And I don't think there's a rush for him. I mean, when you've got the mojo and he can turn on the fundraising when he needs to. So I don't think I mean, I, I don't think he can wait till the summer. But then again, we think about Donald Trump. He didn't even announce till June. So of this point, two years ago. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think O'Rourke, whereas like Julian Castro needed to get out there and get his name in the mix. I, I think O'Rourke doesn't need to.
1: Well, I did see. By the way, uh, John F. Kennedy announced ten months before. Isn't
5: that incredible? I
1: know that is uh, God.
5: And Robert, what I, I was it wish
1: in, we could go back to those days with ten months before the election. Didn't
5: Robert Kennedy announce in March or something, I, I, something like that? I, yeah, I mean, it's it, crazy.
1: Right? No, that they, they were the. That, that's when the presidential campaign was just long enough. Now it's much, much, much too long. But I did see one article over the over the holidays. I was just trying to. Stay out of, <laughs> stay away from the news. But, you know, when you're like you and me, you can't. We're junkies. You, 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 There's we're a junkies. reason they call us junkies. Exactly. Uh, that said, that that uh, Joaquin Castro and Bed O'Rourke are really kind of dueling for the Texas leadership mantle. Is that true?
5: It is going to see. One of the things that I'm going to look at in the new year, I wonder some of the more prominent Democratic donors in Texas are women. And so I just said how Mm O'Rourke has this female appeal. But I know Senator Gillibrand has been working those donors for years, longer Mm -hmm. than Mm O'Rourke has. And so I'm going to be very, and that's where I think Texas matters, at least at this point in the presidentials, where do the donors fall down? And I'm going to be very curious if, I don't think, I can tell you this. I don't think Julian Castro has donors in Texas on lockdown. Um, Whether our work does or not, we'll see. But it may be more of a split game than we expect.
1: Yeah. And, you know, part of this, uh, uh, part of the equation, too, is Texas, right? I mean, Texas is not a blue state, right? And so are the Democrats really going to look for a, a standard bearer from a state that they can't win?
5: Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the state made a lot of progress for the party. The problem is it's so big and it's so expensive. And so going in and playing in Texas is no small chore. If this was, you know, a state the size of Mississippi, it could totally come on or Georgia, which would be the more likely one. Yeah, um, you yeah. could really begin to compete. But this is a hundred million dollar proposition. And so do they do that? And does O'Rourke make that more attractive? Um, I think you start getting to the strategy of, do you pretend to go there and put Republicans on defense or that kind of thing? And that's sort of a conversation for October uh, 2020. So
1: where is uh, I as attractive as he is and um, uh, as successful as he was, I must tell you, I have no idea about where Beto O'Rourke is on the political spectrum. Is he a Bernie Democrat? I I don't think he is. Okay, so, but where is he?
5: Well, one of the more interesting things he did when he was still the no-name rank-and-file guy was he stayed out of the superdelegate fight uh, back in 2016. And so he never endorsed Hillary until the end of the primary. And every time I check in, and he stayed out of it. So I think... He maybe was a little warm to Bernie, but he wasn't necessarily going to go out on a limb. Um, But he really kept his powder dry. Um, What's his
1: record? Is he progressive? I
5: think it depends. I mean, he's sort of a hard guy to pin down in the sense of trade is a very complex issue in El Paso. It devastated the city 20 years ago, 25 years ago, but they've built up around it and it would upset the economy in a new way. Um, But he also... Is very. Um, I think what hit one of his greatest appeals was. He would get up and start talking about the legalization of marijuana in Texas, which I'd never heard before. I mean, that that's just something that startled me. And he
2: would. Um, that's a good start.
5: Yeah. So I mean, it, I, yeah. I I mean, for
2: Texas. Or I anywhere. I, I, For a Democrat? I think every Democratic candidate should have that position I do too. if they're running right for president, too. by the way. Yeah, right. but, you know, I know, not mean to interrupt, but there was an interesting sort of fight that broke out uh, over the last week or so because there has been a lot of criticism about Beto O'Rourke and some of his uh, more conservative votes that he's had uh, while, while he was in the House. And you see a lot of establishment democrats jump to his defense and sort of say oh we can't bring these these people down we can't start bashing them and it's very reminiscent of some stuff that we've seen in previous presidential elections where if there's a candidate who might be on the wrong side of the issue instead of actually you know addressing that and talking about it and trying to push them in a certain direction we just sort of don't talk about it and it turned into a real fight this past week or what so. did he say about health care
1: in the campaign,
5: you know, it's all b- blurring into my mind at this point. Okay. I don't recall him going for Medicare for all, but I don't, I don't think he did. But I don't. I'll yeah, tell okay. your viewers to double right. check me on that. Yeah. Um. What I will say is that he ran more liberal than anyone I've ever seen in Texas. Now that may not play on the national stage, but he right. would say. I mean, it was. He didn't. He well, wasn't playing footsie.
1: Yeah. Right. I. You know, I don't know. There's so much. You know, I find him a very appealing potential candidate, and uh, and I think everybody. I, I, you know, a lot, I've talked to a lot of Democrats who say, look, I did not get into this, how far left you have to be or how far right you have to be. But the most thing is somebody who can beat Donald Trump, right, and and excite the people, the the, the base and, and the to, to, to Democratic base to really get out like better O'Rourke did in Texas. I mean, turnout was— it,
5: Unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, th- I think it says something about his place in the totem pole that that's who— the bernie supporters have gone after as him rather than warren that that's where the the proxy fight has happened is with him i think is indicative of his strength but we will see i,
1: I can tell you during the during this last year the one candidate anywhere i went in the country i heard more about everywhere everywhere was better O'Rourke. doesn't matter california florida new york everywhere that's he was the candidate people were talking about and it and I'm not endorsing him right now, but I'm saying that's the kind of candidate Democrats need in 2020, I think.
5: I think he was the cool thing that people in, who pay attention to politics like to tell p- other people about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
1: so good for him. Let's hope he does it. He'll certainly, he'll certainly liven up the race.
5: It will be interesting if it happens. I'm not 100% there and seeing him run, but I'm more there than I was a month ago. But he
1: also does, and to a certain extent Sherrod Brown does that, give an A younger, fresher, newer alternative to a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders?
5: Absolutely. I mean, O'Rourke rides a skateboard. He (laughs) was in a rock and roll band or punk band. And so um, he's definitely the first candidate who I have even felt any sense of generational. Oh, he kind of was there in my time. So it'll be an interesting thing.
2: Hmm.
1: Has Donald Trump said anything about him yet?
5: He did. Uh he went after the. I mean, it's amazing how I can't retain anything yeah. in the Trump era, but he did go after him about a month ago on Twitter.
1: Well, good. <laughs> then he then he he counts as serious, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right now it's a serious threat.
2: That's exactly.
5: that's your gold, golden you, seal.
1: you have also <laughs> we were curious about a an article that you did recently and uh for it was in Politico, right? Yes. About the glass ceiling, the hardest glass ceiling of all to break for women, which is running for president.
5: No, it's we've we've had a woman have the nomination of a major party, but one of the hardest things in politics is uh, female consultants mm. breaking through and having a major role in the strategy of a campaign, and by that I mean the jobs that of direct mail, polling, and television. And it's this thing where often, whether it's at any level-
1: Which are the three key jobs in any Those are the three key jobs, campaign. and those yeah. are
5: the jobs where one makes the most money. So if you become a successful consultant in any of those fields, but particularly television, you're probably going to be a millionaire. Um, and that's why it's been so hard is that it's been fiercely defended by the people who've been there before who tend to be white men. And so it's sort of a thing that- um, I, one woman made it in a passing comment over lunch, and I was like, wait, what? She, she just said, and this was a very prominent consultant, I'll never run a presidential campaign. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, they don't let us, and they don't let us run Senate campaigns. And I was like, what? And I started bouncing it off all of my regular suspects, and every single one of them, there was this physical reaction of, oh, yes. And basically what happens is, is a candidate, man, male or female, when the—so right now— in the election season, consultants fan out across the country in both parties and pitch potential candidates and say, this is why I'm the best person to sell your candidacy. And that person, more often than not, is going to be a man. So say he's the TV guy. And he'll say, let me bring in my team. We've worked together. We've won all of these House races or all of these Senate races. And my friend Joe, the pollster, and my friend David, the direct male, we we have a winning record. Bring us in. And so it's this culture where it never even dawns on anyone to bring in a woman. And The thing that startled me about this was this was the year that it wasn't just the female candidate, it was the female voter who was decisive. And there were campaigns where in the whole line of thinking and strategy from the TV ad to the direct mail to the polling, there was never a woman in the process trying to empathize with thinking through what a woman voter would want to feel. And so it was a very startling, um, on the Democratic side, the women were upset about hypocrisy. On the Republican side, it was a sense that their party was just giving up altogether.
1: So this was 2018 you were looking this at?
5: This was 2018.
1: I was just thinking back, I mean, 2016, Hillary Clinton's team were top, uh, the, were men.
5: Yes, and that was, and that was.
1: The top, I mean. Yes, so. Certainly women in in some important positions there. I think of a few exceptions too. There
5: are exceptions. As
1: you and I talked a little bit earlier, but Donna is certainly an exception. Uh, way back in our 2000, day, 2000 yeah. long time ago, and unsuccessful. But still, she had the position that's yes. the most... Kellyanne Conway.
5: And that's the irony of ironies, is that the man who has set off the new wave of feminism, Donald Trump, was also the woman, man who positioned a woman in the campaign manager role. And I tried to talk to Ms. Conway, but she never called me back. But um, it was... Uh, but there, for every woman who we think of, who comes to mind, and we talked about Mandy Grunwald. Mandy
1: Grunwald, who did uh, did Hillary's TV commercials. Yes, and is very one of the best at it in the business. For yes, sure.
5: there's a whole there's a dozen who don't even get in the door, and it's this. It's just a very. Um, it, it's just. It was an amazing thing because these are women who I respect and I seek their wisdom in my stories. And what do you think? How does this play? And to think that it, it's not even. Um, often they'll be in the room. If they do get in the room, the men will start telling them, lecturing them how to reach women voters and they won't even have a chance to speak. And it was just this. It was the one time where my quotes from Republicans mirrored my quotes from Democrats. Not everyone agreed with my, that my premise and I definitely put their views in my story. Now, the amazing thing is. Uh, the New York Times ran a story this weekend over who are the candidates for hiring up, and there was actually a couple paragraphs in there about how the campaigns and the candidates now feel pressure that they maybe need to diversify things. So uh, it's it was it's an extraordinary thing that this is still an issue.
1: It is right. You would, in the 21st century. I mean, I hadn't until we read your story uh, hadn't even reflected on that, and I know so many of these people myself. And you're right; they're mostly and always have been, all men.
5: And it just never, I I think my emails from men were, I was expecting very defensive emails, and many Mm -hmm. of the the emails I received were, I never thought about this. Now, the emails that made me sad were the dozens I got from women saying, this is exactly how I feel, and this is why I left politics. And they were from all over the country, and it was just a very, very sad thing.
1: Well, that's certainly something I would hope that, particularly Democrats, would uh, pay some attention to and uh, do a better job at Abby Livingston, you can follow her at texastribune.org. Thanks, Abby. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank
5: you for having me.
1: Nikki Schwab coming up next. the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, YouTube youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
2: Everything you need to fight the Trump administration, this is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: All right, let's say it one more time. Happy New Year. Yeah, lots of fun and lots of good times in 2019. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Yes, we are back. First live show of the new year, 2019, and you are part of it. Thanks so much for being there As we join you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., reaching out to you all across this great land of ours on the radio, online and on television, of course, with all the news of the day. Uh, And the number one story, of course, we come back to we are still in the middle of a shutdown. last time we were together, it looked like there was not going to be a shutdown. And then the Freedom Caucus made a little visit to the White House. Donald Trump changed his mind, and now we are in, I don't know, day 10 or so. The shutdown with uh, things are going to really come to a head this week. Today, a meeting at the White House with the congressional leadership and the president. And tomorrow, the Democrats, uh, the speaker, new speaker, Nancy Pelosi, will be sworn in. Democrats taking control of the House. And from then on, it will be a whole new ball game. Uh, that keeps people like Nikki Schwab very happy and very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Nikki. It's good to see you. Good to
0: see you, too. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you. Nikki covers the White House, of course, for the uh, New York Post. Uh, and, uh, boy, Donald Trump. he just He just uh, climbed right into the White House, got down in his cave, White House cave, and wouldn't go away during the holidays. Yeah, so. I was Except actually— Except for the little diversion to Iraq, but no Mar-a-Lago.
0: No, and I, I was on uh, White House pool duty for us yesterday for the print pool, and okay. I, I was like, oh, it's a beautiful day for golf. And I was actually like almost expecting him to maybe sort of break <laughs> loose and be like, well, you know, I've, I've been here. The Democrats yeah, are not here. Yeah. I'm going to at least go to my golf course. But no, he did, he did nothing.
4: Well, Literally, he was working. He's, so hard. He's 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 working, working, working and, he, so and hard.
0: he's you know he's filling these little videos outside in the rose yeah. garden, which are yeah. kind of funny. That the, the yeah. nearest one was like, "I know you guys are out there partying, but I'm here working." Yeah, for you, play, America.
1: Like, we, we played a little bit of that earlier. We'll play some more of that again with uh, Nikki Schwab and with all of you. And don't forget, you're, you you uh, have a chance to uh, join in here on the show. We want to hear from you and your comments on Twitter at bp show. Nikki and I will get right to it with you, but first. This
2: is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. New year, new law in Colorado. If you went grocery shopping yesterday, you might have seen something brand new Uh on the shelves of your supermarket. Full strength beer. Now, Colorado is one of the best craft brewing states in the country. And there is a prohibition era law that prohibited beer that was above... 3.2% 3.2% alcohol for being sold in supermarkets. So you can wow. go to liquor stores and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 32 is a fairly low uh, I'm per, say per to percentage. To me, that for doesn't alcohol. sound that... Yeah. That's very, very What's low. What's full strength? Plus well, six. <coughs> six? Y- yeah, plus six. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, there are some that are... Yeah, exactly. The next time we do a beer <laughs> segment, Nikki's going to come in. There are some that go as high as like 18%, but oh. I mean, there a lot of them these days are between like 6 and 8%, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So they were not allowed to be sold in grocery stores, but no more. Uh, they did away with that in the election, and it took place on New Year's. So now when you go to the grocery store, you can buy yourself a fully alcoholic beer. Two for the price of one. <laughs> all right. Good. That's have, one of the best new laws for 2019
1: yeah. I've heard so far. Yeah,
2: right? right. Exactly. Uh, okay. So in Florida. By the way, in
1: California, I have to tell you one new law in California is that all uh, dogs and cats sold in pet stores yeah. have to be from shelters.
2: Oh, that's right. I did see that. Yeah. Which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it Just is ready to Get rid yeah. of puppy mills. I know.
2: Yep. Uh, let's go to Florida really quickly where there was, a, there's a zoo down there, and they have this interactive zoo. They have these bars that you can sort of reach in and pet some of the animals. Well, there was a toddler who was about two years old who got through the bars and jumped into the rhino exhibit. Oh, God. The rhino came up to her, <laughs> nudged her with his snout, did not hurt her. She did get hurt when she fell, for the record, uh, but the rhino did not did not hurt her. She's okay. She's she's fine. They got her from the enclosure. Everybody will be okay.
1: By the way, Florida is a zoo.
2: Florida is a zoo. The whole state. (laughs) This is the
1: Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Get ready, folks. A wild ride in 2019, and it has already started. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Good to see you. And thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday, January 2nd. It is the Bill Press Show. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Everybody comes back in town today to try to deal with the shutdown, but don't expect any progress today or even tomorrow or who knows how long it's going to last because Donald Trump has dug in his heels uh, and uh, says there won't be. There won't be any end to the shutdown until he gets his big, beautiful wall paid for by American taxpayers. We are, uh, again, live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on the radio on WCPT out in Chicago, hello Chicago, and on television on Free Speech TV Say hello to Nikki Schwab, who covers the White House for the uh, New York Post. Um, so, Nikki, good to see you. Good Thank to you. See you too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, Donald Trump, in fact, said he tweeted out, uh, "Calm down and enjoy the ride. It's going to be wild, isn't it?" I mean, mean,
0: today's going to be wild, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was already wild whenever he sat in the Oval Office. Well, I mean, Mike Pence wasn't so wild. He just sort of sat there like a rock. But whenever he was, you know, debating Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, now we've got uh, Republicans in the room as well, like Mitch McConnell, and they're going to sit down and there's going to be some sort of demonstration on border security. And so I think, you know, Trump is trying to get the optics in his favor, but, you know, he tried that... You know, originally in the Oval Office with Pelosi and Which Schumer, blew up in his face, and it didn't. Right? I, it didn't seem like it worked.
1: Uh, so yeah. I, I
0: I I don't anticipate this necessarily working, and I think that.
1: But with the Republicans there, do you think he'll do what he did before? Is keep the cameras rolling?
0: Well, the thing is, we don't know. I mean. They, they have
1: to expect that he will, don't you think?
0: I mean, I think that that's what I'm hearing from the Democratic side is they think that this is whole, a whole, you know, bit of like reality showmanship, and yeah. that this is yeah. not like a real discussion. This is like him being like, but we need this wall, and this is what the wall is going to look like, and blah blah blah, trying to sort of you know take back the reins of the shutdown and and you know say like this is why it's important, this is what we're going to do today, you know, yada yada yada. But I, I, I you know. I, I can't imagine McConnell like you know like yelling or anything. I think he's going to sort of sit there and, and try to like keep the peace, but I think it's still just going to go off the rails.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it could very well go off the rails, and certainly the last thing that's going to happen, it seems to me, is that they walk out with a deal.
0: Right? I, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like that that's going to happen because it, I think I think you know in Washington, as much as we don't like the idea of sort of backroom deals and smoke filled rooms. I don't necessarily know if, like, they're going to be able to have a discussion with reporters there, and I'm a reporter, and I would love to see them, you know, you know, making the sausage, if you will. But I think that they need to have a good faith discussion, and that's not going to happen if you know there's fifty well, reporters. Well, first of all, the with room.
1: reporters there, but also with a president who is is just basically dictating his terms, not entertaining any. Alternative, yeah, right, or any, or, or,
0: or at least you know, publicly. I mean, Mick Mulvaney right. at one point did say that they had asked the Democrats for less than five billion dollars at one point, whenever there was a Saturday discussion between Schumer and Mike Pence and Mulvaney. Uh, and then you know, Mulvaney was mad about it because. You know, Schumer and the Democrats wouldn't even entertain it. And this is in the same Fox News segment that they decided that they were going to blame the whole thing on Nancy Pelosi, which, yeah. you know, at, at some point last week became sort of the major strategy of like, well, you know, it always tends to make, you know, to work to make her the punching bag if we're Republicans. And and so they tried to do that. I just don't know in this situation if it works because, you know, this government shutdown started in the Ryan era. Yeah, I mean, sure. she, You know, sure. She's taking over the gavel tomorrow. Uh, but you know, it's not—it's not like you know she had much power to do anything. It well, was the Freedom Caucus that voted for the five billion dollar, uh, you know, package that included the wall that then couldn't pass in the Senate.
1: Right. So uh, that's, that's, I'm glad you raised that point because our last live show, <laughs> which was the Thursday before Thanksgiving, or well, when I was here, then Chris Liu was here on Friday, and thank you, Chris. But at that time, as you recall. The Senate had passed a bill. The House, Paul Ryan, was for it. Even Sarah Huckabee Sanders told us, I was there at that yeah. last briefing, oh. we're going to find some other money for the wall, so we'll go along with this. It looked like the it, whole it deal looked was It fine. Done. I and wasn't even Mark, thinking
0: about it. Like It was like, yeah. okay, we're, we're, the, we're done here. The
1: shutdown was avoided. Then Mark Meadows, Freedom Caucus, goes down and convinces Donald oh. Trump, you can't do this. <laughs> Donald Trump goes along with them, does a total 180. But did the what? Freedom Caucus have an an exit strategy out of this. So yeah. Okay. So they managed to shut down the government, but did they have a plan for reopening it?
0: I don't believe so. And when the Democrats, so the Democrats uh, proposed this plan to fund, you know, I think it's like seven of the eight entities and then separate DHS and then only fund that to February, just basically giving them more time to sort of figure things out. And, I think the Republicans don't think this is a good faith strategy. Uh but it did sort of seem like it was a viable exit ramp for them. Yeah. And what happened? Mark Meadows tweeted that it was like a non starter. And I thought, so by the
1: way, I thought that was very interesting that Mark Meadows tweeted it was a non strategy. What happened to Kevin McCarthy? I thought he was the Republican he, well, leader. He,
0: technically, yes. But
1: But we didn't hear peep from him. I think he's did I mean we? Not, no. that
0: I, not that I'm aware of, and and Ryan's no. I, I don't believe he's even come back. I mean, this this would have been his last day. Well, I guess well, tomorrow I mean, before noon would have been his last he's day. He's got
1: to hand Nancy the gavel, you know. So
0: Oh, I, McCarthy's doing it, from my understanding. So I think oh, really? I think Ryan's just bye bye.
1: Oh, God! Wow.
0: Yeah, he's he. Someone okay. said uh, he ghosted Washington, <laughs> 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 or did an Irish exit. He was like, yeah. I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, yeah. So I, you, you know, so you're, you're more you're more traditional Republicans. I think have sort of had this wait and see approach. Even McConnell, in a way, has been sort of oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think that if, you know, when the Democrats pass this package on Thursday through the House, I think that puts him in a really precarious position because I think that his instinct is let's just do this and then we can have this discussion for the next, you know, however many six right. weeks
1: right. Sure. Uh, about sure. the
0: wall. And it gives us all a little bit of political cover.
1: But he won't do it because but Donald Trump won't sign Donald it.
0: Donald Trump won't sign it because the Freedom Caucus and I and I assume the sort of the television pundits caucus, which is, I think, in a way a little a little bit more important, mm-hmm. uh, will also be like, no, he's he's not getting the wall. He's not, you know, doing enough for the wall. But I don't know. I mean,
1: what? Laura Ingraham won't let him. You know, you mentioned that he uh, he, he, he gave an interview to Fox News uh, Business um, yesterday. Uh, where he talked about again, uh, Peter, if we can, when he spent all the, uh, t- t- almost complaining about, or bragging, really, about all the holidays times that he spent in the White House.
2: Well, I'm at the White House working. You're out there partying tonight, but I don't blame you. Enjoy yourselves. We're going to have a great year. Have a really, really happy new year.
1: That's really the one from the, that was uh, the Rose, uh, Garden. Rose Garden. The, the, yeah. the Rose Garden. Yeah, here's the uh, Fox Businesses, I think.
2: We have to. Have- Oops. Uh, I'm ready, willing, and able. I'm in the White House. I'm ready to go. They can come over right now. They could have come over any time. I spent Christmas in the White House. I spent uh, New Year's Eve now in the White House. And, uh, you know, I'm here.
1: Oh, yeah. Poor guy. He was chained to his desk in the White House. So he made this great big deal, canceling Mar-a-Lago. What did he accomplish in the White House over the holidays?
0: I'm not sure uh, much of anything because... (laughs) from well i mean i agree i i Nothing. i just don't like i know that they hammer nancy pelosi for being on vacation and i actually think the optics looked bad in that regard as well she was you know in hawaii having a great time
1: but, um, i don't blame her i mean what was she going to get done here
0: but but that is that is the question right? nobody
1: else was in town
0: nobody else was in town he
1: shut down the government she didn't
0: he and and it didn't sound like he was making calls to a bunch of democrats like that's yeah. No. There, there was no, there was seemingly no deal deal making, and then when you did the only he,
1: calls we heard about, well, he, I think he called President Erdogan of Turkey, President Xi of China, and al of Egypt, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, BFD. You know, I mean, they can yeah. always put those calls through, but it didn't it didn't do anything about the shutdown.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> and the, sort of the meeting that we all heard about was the one between uh, Vice President Pence and like Schumer, so it wasn't like it was Trump and Schumer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Mulvaney was obviously as as the sort of in now now officially the acting chief of staff. He was he was in there, too. But it didn't sound like Trump was even privy to that meeting. And it was more Schumer and Pence that were, you know, having conversations to sort of figure out where the president might, uh, you know, come to the table.
1: So we're talking about Mitch McConnell, talking about the Senate, uh, Republicans in the Senate and then how long they're they willing to let Donald Trump c- just continue uh, to uh, keep to, 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 to the shutdown, if you will. Uh, but there's a, a, a couple of new voices in the Senate, one of them being Mitt Romney, who is an op-ed in the Washington Post this morning. Wow. Um, we Remember Mitt Romney, who gave the most blistering speech against Donald Trump during the Republican primary in yes. 2016. Uh, and this morning he says, Uh, among other things. It's well known that Donald Trump was not my choice for the Republican presidential nominee. After he became the nominee, I hoped his campaign would refrain him from resentment and name-calling. It did not. Uh, And he says, his conduct, particularly over the past two years, particularly his actions last month, is evidence that the president has not risen to the mantle of the office. Okay, my question to Mitt Romney So, what are you going to do about it? But anyway, any it's pretty extraordinary for a guy who's not even sworn in as senator yet to at least a little bit distance himself from the president. Yeah. His I, party's president.
0: I was I was very surprised by this in a way because Mitt Romney has obviously been critical of Trump, but he hasn't been like... Blisteringly critical. During
1: of his Senate campaign, wow. I don't think he was—he was no, he critical he, he at walked all. he
0: walked a very he walked a line, and you know he needed to because obviously Utah's a very Republican state, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a uh, you know a state that really really loves uh, Trump. You know, remember mm-hmm. Evan McMillan McMullen Yeah. Uh, you know, right. obviously got a, a good swath of the Republican vote uh, in the GOP primary in that state uh, simply because it just. He, He's, he's not a good – Trump is not a good fit for that, for Utah. Uh, but Romney – you know, I was talking to a Romney insider about a month ago, and I had asked. I was like, well, you know, I I had this th- this theory that, that Mitt Romney is going to replace Jeff Flake as sort of the most notable thorn in Trump's mm-hmm. side in the Senate. And my source at the time was like, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Because Romney will sort of ding him, but in a very, like, graceful way. He's not going to be – you know – in sort of full-throated attack mode, which is why this op-ed really surprised me. But, you know, even in the op-ed, he says, you know, I'm not going to, you know, attack him on every tweet. I'm going to vote with Republicans when I think that they, you know, are making uh, the right choice when it comes to policy issues. But at the same time, you know, I do think that you might see Mitt Romney pulling a bit of a John McCain occasionally and being like, you know, I'm going to vote for this uh, on the case of principle. And because I think, you know, Trump is in the wrong on this issue.
1: I do not think that we can count on Mitt Romney for being the uh, Republican with backbone as the principal I, critic. I of saw Donald some Trump.
0: headline that said that he joined the resistance, and I laughed at it. I was he, like, he yeah, did not join. la resistance. Like
2: he, he's, he's no, going no, to no. do a very good job of replacing Jeff Flake. Yeah, of being someone who says fairly critical things. And then votes about for the capital. president, and, and then, then votes repeatedly for everything that the president.
1: Uh, has I scored. think I think you nailed it just right. Meanwhile, of course, Donald Trump is not going to let something like that <laughs> go. Oh no no no! Unresponded to. Yes, he's already tweeted this morning, Peter.
2: Yeah, this morning he, uh, he. Well, he he actually must have been listening. He says, "Here we go with Mitt Romney, but so fast." Question will be: Is he a flake? And he capitalized flake, mm-hmm. which could mean. He either just had a weird capitalization or he's talking about Jeff Flake. Uh, I hope not, he says, would much prefer that Mitt focus on border security and so many other things where he could be helpful. I won big and he didn't. He should be happy for all Republicans, be a team player and win. That is from Donald Trump this morning. He is
1: such an adolescent with his tweets. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's everything is like a little schoolyard. It's it's, it's,
0: it's very predictable. Like it if, is. if you if you criticize him, the tweet will come. Like there's a tweet for everything is
1: Why is, aren't they uh, uh, why do, the the tweet over the over the holidays about Syria, right? If anybody else had done this, I already would have saying they were a hero. Why don't why aren't people praising me for bringing the troops out of Syria? Well, maybe because you know, You didn't ask the generals about how we should do this? Or is it a good time to do it? I mean, your defense
0: secretary quit over it, so that's not a good sign. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. But uh, anyway, no, that's not the only person that Donald Trump has picked. Mitt Romney is not the only person Donald Trump has picked to fight with. Um, There's also General Stanley McChrystal. Oh, gosh. remember him. Like a dog. (laughs) Oh, man, yes. So he was on uh, ABC This Week on Sunday. Um, uh, talking, first of all, about Donald Trump and his Christmas visit, how he thought the president had politicized that visit to Iraq.
2: You don't use that as a time
1: to tout your politics or your personal opinions. You use it as a time to reassure them that what they are doing is appreciated by people. And Martha... um, Raddatz. Raddatz, sorry, thank you. (laughs) Quick senior moment there. Who... uh, Uh, follow through by asking him you know, whether you would take a job with the Trump whether he looking for a new defense secretary how about Stanley McChrystal?
3: If you were asked to join the Trump administration what would you say?
1: I'd say
2: no. I think it's important for me to work for people who I think are basically honest who tell the truth as best they know it.
3: Well, you think he's a liar.
2: I don't think he tells the truth.
3: Is Trump immoral in your view?
1: I think he is. Uh, Donald Trump responded again by calling him a big dumb mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a time when Donald Trump loved generals.
0: Yes. Well, generals who were on his side.
1: But H.R. McMaster, John Kelly. Yep. J- Jim Mattis. Jim Mattis. Uh, uh, Those
0: were the, sort of the big three. Aren't any left, are there? Uh, no. Not that yeah. I not not, you know, in his immediate administration. In no. Fact,
1: isn't today Kelly's last job? Or was it yesterday? It was.
0: I thought it was December thirty first. Oh. the first was the transition okay. over. Yeah, but it right. might. It might have. But yes, as of it being January second, uh, he is gone, and as is as is Mattis. So
1: right, and Mulvaney is in as new chief of staff. Mm-hmm. You know. So what is what 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 do you think history books are going to say about John Kelly as chief of staff?
0: Uh, well, I think that Rob Porter thing is gonna be really uh, problematic for sure uh, because he if you if, I mean, there's been so many like little mini scandals within the Trump administration, but the fact that Kelly was was basically uh, on record defending a guy who had you know beat two of his ex-wives, right like that's not so good.
1: But also <laughs> overall the job as job his job as chief of staff, everybody said, again to overuse the overused cliche he was the adult in the room right yeah. who was going to bring some order to the white house who was going to calm Donald Trump down right and 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 manage uh, and control basically exercise some control he failed totally failed
0: i mean he he you know he should have grabbed trump's phone from him on day 1 that would have <laughs> that would have been that would have done it but uh, but no he he still sort of let trump be trump uh, which a lot of advisors think is, is sort of a, a better way to qu- control Trump is to sort of let him do what he wants. Um, I do think that, like, at the beginning, he was good at trying to sort of uh, narrow the amount of people that were allowed to be in the Oval Office, uh, narrow the amount of information that that Trump was given and tried to sort of give him good information and not, you know, crazy conspiracy theories from the web uh, that he could, would then tweet about. So I, I think that, you know, Kelly... You know, he tried, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah. I, I just don't think that, that people are going to say, well, you know, that worked well, uh, you know, looking back on it.
1: No. No, I think I, overall uh, you have to say a failure, and, and I would imagine that at, at some part of his being that uh, Kelly's sorry that even, he that even took the job. Um, one other thing that didn't get much attention, uh, White House-related, Uh, We heard from uh, his, uh, in his um, annual New Year's address, Kim uh, Jong-un came out and said, basically, we're not going to get rid of one nuclear weapon. We're not going to stop testing. We're not going to stop building them uh, until the United States, we're going to continue our nuclear program until the United States uh, lifts all the sanctions, which does raise the question, so what's different what what is, what what has what did the big summit in singapore accomplish
0: it was a photo op i mean it, it sure seems like it especially now yeah. i mean i i think i think we might look back on it and say it's good that these leaders met uh, but that was always sort of the amer you know our side's like bargaining chip like we will meet with you but you need to you know give us these promises we need to extract something from you know this meet and greet because it does elevate Kim. You know in the world's eyes to be totally. meeting with the leader of the U.S. Totally, right. uh, and so now we don't have that bargaining chip because it already happened.
1: Right. So and after, remember after the summit, Donald Trump said, N- "North Korea is no longer a threat, no longer a nuclear threat." They've agreed to get rid of everything. They're going to do da 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 da, and basically Kim Jong Un yesterday said, "Oh no no no, we're still here, but nothing has changed." Uh, and. And Trump is talking about a second summit, yeah, now, maybe, at the White House. Yeah. But,
0: uh, or maybe at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and at least get him down there.
1: Do they have any chocolate, some of that chocolate cake left over, right? Yeah,
0: from the, uh, is that the Abe Summit?
1: Right. Um, so what do you, we've had two years now Donald Trump, yeah. and in a certain sense, he is Looser, if you will. I mean, th- more uh, any the restrictions that might have existed in the first couple of years by some cabinet members who might have been willing to rein him in seem to all of them have been gone. Yeah. So in a sense, right, he's like more uncaged, if you will, than ever before. What do you what What do you expect out of twenty nineteen? I mean, he said, right, calm down and enjoy the ride. Um,
0: yeah, but if I'm a government worker not getting my paycheck, I mean. Yeah. How how do you calm down if you can't pay your mortgage?
1: And clearly 20 he's totally focused on 2020. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, do you see that this is going to be any a year in which he tries to get some things done in Congress or that it's just going to be all out I, I, bloody war? I
0: think it's going to be the latter. I mean, I, I he hasn't ever seen like he has an appetite for uh
1: governing, God, for, God forbid. F-
0: well, yeah, for for the governing side of it. I mean, He's a politics guy. He's not a policy guy. And uh, I think that, you know, especially now that you've got, I mean, Elizabeth Warren has already announced uh, the Castro twin. I forget which one has also, you know, basically said he's going to jump in in a couple of weeks. Julian. I know. It's, I'm, right. I'm terrible. I know. No, it is. I'm terrible. It, it, I always forget which which Castro twin it is.
1: Um, but by the way, they're in, in, if whichever one runs, they're both running. That's what Peter and I love about them is they they can replace each other at events and people don't even know. Isn't it. there
0: a movie called Dave that, that they happens? did that before? Yeah. They've,
2: They've done it before. The Castro twins have, have played fill-ins for each other.
1: But that would be a great advantage if you're running for president and you've got a double ganger.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. who says has, has like you equally can cover as
0: politically, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Savvy We're as working you for you, fourteen days out of the week, forty-eight <laughs> hours out of the day. Yeah. <laughs> that should be their slogan. But
0: but but you know I mean I mean he's already probably like licking his lips at the prospect of you know running against Elizabeth Warren. And oh you know, he is
2: oh yeah by
0: far I mean I, I think Republicans really love her as a candidate because they they see her as like Hillary 2.0. Mm-hmm. So I think as the Democrats are announcing this spring, we're going to see Trump really only care about that. And, you know, start playing whack-a-mole with, with, with each of them on Twitter every morning. And and I I wanted to ask him, and I didn't get the chance. We did an Oval Office interview a couple weeks ago. But I really want to sort of know when he's going to start his rallies. Because I think it'll be in the next, you know, it could be in the next, like, six weeks where we start seeing him actively com- campaign for 2020.
1: Oh, I don't think he's going to wait that long. I mean, you know, he took a pause during the holidays, right? But yeah. He was campaigning all the way. At the, the rallies that he held in 2018— ostensibly for other candidates. We're all about him in 2020.
0: But at least he could use that as an excuse, yes, right? right? So now, I mean, if he's going on the now campaign trail, be... it's legitimately for him. Right.
1: But... They'll be flat out 2020. Yeah. Well, why would he wait? Yeah. And well, I mean, he probably should, like, it... get
0: the government reopened before going on I the campaign trail. I want to get trail. that in
1: just a second, but just to make the point, just if he'll, he'll be able to say, if the Democrats are running, then it's okay for me to run. Yeah. Right? So i will start having rallies. Yeah. Um, how long can he afford to keep the government shutdown going? Is it is it possible? You know, we're talking about Donald Trump. Is it even possible that enough political pressure could build that would force him to publicly back down? It's I th- totally against his nature.
0: I think that at some point he'll have to he'll have to like take some deal, but you know that he'll spin it into a win. So let's say that what the number's like 1.3 billion for border security, let's say he gets like 2.2 like squeezes that out of the Democrats. He'll he'll try to say that it's a win because it's only going to get more painful for him. Now we've only had what 11 days of government shutdown. Like today is when the Smithsonian's closed. Yeah. You know, like now things, I mean obviously that doesn't, you know, probably hurt people outside the D.C. area, or, you know, really resonate. But like, as sort of, you know, national parks close, and uh, you know- More of
1: those are closing today too, because yeah, of the leftover the fun- funds that they had have run out, volunteers have got back, go, got to go back to work.
0: And I think the more you hear of stories, you know, I've been talking to sources who are government employees who basically lost all their paid vacation time. You're not, if you're an essential worker, you're not even allowed to take sick time. If you, if you do, you're considered to be AWOL. Uh, which could put you in a precarious position of keeping your job after the government shutdown. I mean, you know, this this is painful for government employees. And, you know, that seems to be forgotten about. But, you know, around the holidays to lose all of your family time and your vacation and then yeah. now your paycheck and with no end in sight. like How do you pay your mortgage?
1: All right. So we see each other at the White House briefings. Um, uh, it became the, the pattern uh particularly in the last half of 2018 that there was one briefing a month. We had one in October, one <laughs> yep. in November, one in December. Uh, is that going to continue in 2019? I
0: think so and well, and right now we're not even getting and you, and you probably know this as well. Uh, the government shutdown has been a convenient way for the White House to stop sending out a schedule. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And so, you know, even if there was a briefing announcement, it would probably have to go through the pool because we're not getting schedules because apparently that's something that is non-essential and and should be cut (laughs) during a (laughs) shutdown. (laughs)
1: Okay. It's convenient. Well, when you hear about the first briefing for the month, for the month of for 2019, yeah. the one and only briefing for the month of January, let me know and I'll catch up with you. All right. There. Sounds All right. good. Thanks for coming in, Nikki. Happy B- New Year.
0: Happy New Year, Bill.
1: Nikki Schwab here from the New York Post, NewYorkPost.com. And Amanda Becker joins us next from Thomson Reuters with more what we can expect now. A new day for sure uh, when Democrats take back control of the House. Tomorrow, Nancy Pelosi sworn in. Quick break. We'll be right back on this Wednesday, Wednesday, right, edition of the (laughs) Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You make it a Wednesday, January 2nd, and we are back. Happy New Year, everybody. Great to see you here on our first show of 2019, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, the good men and women of our firefighters, unions, uh, and departments all across this land. They never have a day out. They're there every day on the front lines protecting American families. Under the leadership of President uh, Harold Schaetberger, we salute them, thank them for their support of the program, and uh, I direct you to the website to find out more about the good work that they do at iaff.org. It's a new day and uh, a new look in Congress this week, uh, particularly starting tomorrow when uh, Nancy Pelosi will be sworn in as the next speaker and Democrats will take ba- take officially control of the House of Representatives. That's the beat of Amanda Becker for Thomson Reuters uh, and who joins us here in studio. Hi, Good Amanda. Morning. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is going to look and sound different, this new Congress, isn't it? It will, for, especially for in reasons. the House, yes. Especially in the House, I yeah. mean,
4: you have one, a huge group of newcomers coming in. You have more women than ever before. And even among those women, there's a level of diversity that we haven't seen. You have the first two Native American women who are going to be serving in the House. You have the first two Muslim American women who are going to be serving in the House. Uh, you have Democrats retaking control with Nancy Pelosi expected to, you know, again become speaker. So it's going to look very different, um, you know, in 48 hours.
1: Uh and one thing about this new freshman class, uh, 40 of them, um, they don't look like a bunch of people who are going to just like sit back and be quiet for two years and learn the ropes.
4: No, they are not. Uh, and they, it really runs the gamut, though, depending on you know where they kind of fall in the political spectrum. You have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's far to the left. You know, she's campaigning for a Green New Deal. Um, she was agitating outside Pelosi's office before she even had her first official meeting on Capitol Hill as a member elect. Yeah. Um, and so you have people from the liberal wing of the party like that. You also have some more centrists, you know, look at some of these women who were elected in kind of the Virginia suburbs and exurbs, um, who, you know, like an Abigail Spanberger from the Richmond area who says, you know, I'm very aware that I come from a swing district and I am going to represent the people in my district. And that mm-hmm. includes a lot of Republicans.
1: Right. And some in the Midwest, I know, have said that same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it is a mixed bag, but they all seem to be, um, pretty. Uh, they're activists, mm-hmm. you know, in their own way, mm-hmm. I guess, and and ready to to step up and and yes, speak that, out from day one.
4: Yeah, that's something that Representative Spanberger said to me. She said, activist mm-hmm. and passion mm-hmm. are are not synonyms for liberal." I feel very passionate about what I want to get done here in Congress, you know, even if it's not, you know, far, far to the left in terms of policy. A lot of these people feel as though they have a mandate to actually get things done because one of the reasons they've been elected is that the voters were telling them we're frustrated that Congress isn't doing anything.
1: Right. So if we can, which is impossible, of course, let's put the shutdown aside for just a second. And aside from the shutdown, what. Uh, do we know about what are the Democrats going to be focusing on? What's their what's their agenda? What's their priority?
4: So right out the gate yesterday, you saw them release the rules changes for the next Congress, and that's yeah. part of like their good governance package that they um, said that was going to be their first priority when they got in. Of course, now the, the first first priority is ending the government shutdown yeah, in right. some form. Yeah. But um, they did campaign on good governments. Part of that is they would like to explore campaign finance reform, of course, with the House rule package. Is this the
1: H.R. 1? Yes. Okay.
4: So with the House rules package, you know, they can change the rules. The issue with the other components of H.R. 1 and what they want to do in terms of campaign finance reform and good governance is that Mitch McConnell has said it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Um, They are still going to take that on, though, because they feel as though that they have a mandate from their voters to do that.
1: So we're talking about uh limits on campaign contributions mm-hmm. or yeah,
4: disclosure elements about where the money's coming from and that sort of thing. Um also healthcare. They are going to do and it's still kind of taking shape the path forward they will use on healthcare, uh but they feel very passionately about moving quickly um, to kind of shore up the Affordable Care Act, strengthen it, make it stronger, look at the, some of the areas that haven't been working. Um, and it remains to be seen, you know, there are a fair number of Republican senators in the Senate. And if you're somebody like Cory Gardner, let's say, from yeah. um, Colorado, they might be able to get some bipartisan <laughs> cooperation in the Senate to get kind of piecemeal approaches to health care through.
1: Prescription drugs?
4: That's one area where there is kind of universal agreement. And even Trump at the White House has said we need to bring down the cost of right. prescription drugs.
1: Uh, so uh, in other words, a policy agenda, if you will, yes. right? That Democrats want to put forward, even if some of those bills don't don't pass the yes. Senate, on the investigative yes oversight yes side, where are they going to start? I mean, look, we don't really know all the answers. I understand, but what what, what do you expect?
4: So they the House Oversight Committee Democrats. I don't. couldn't even tell you the current number. I think it's around 70, have 70 outstanding subpoena requests that they had asked the Republicans to issue during the last Congress that the Republicans did not. So that ranges um, both in oversight of the Trump administration and policy issues. It would, you know, examining Trump's business dealings. So I would expect that some of the first things to move would be those requests that they already have out there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're going to resubmit. Um, and so, I think you'll see them move on a variety of fronts. There's going to be multiple committees um, investigating various aspects of the Trump administration, and you know, conducting kind of policy-related oversight in terms of, for example, even in healthcare, uh, they feel as though the administration has undermined the Affordable Care Act by, you know, limiting open enrollment and not advertising it and not right, making it right. as easy to access. Right. So they'll be looking at a variety of those things.
1: Um, how soon will impeachment hearings?
4: They all say that that's not the focus. They are very cognizant of moving too aggressively in a way that would create backlash among voters. And so all of the committee heads, the incoming committee heads, have said that they want to see um, Mueller finish his report first um, to somehow get those findings disclosed. Because right now we don't really know what's going to happen to the report. And kind of go from there when it ter- right. in terms of impeachment.
1: Uh, if were impeachment hearings to start, they would have to start in the judiciary committee, correct? Yes. Okay, uh, and that's Jerry Nadler, mm-hmm. the new chair mm-hmm. of judiciary. Nadler could not do that unless Nancy Pelosi gave her okay. Yes, all so of that- this is
4: being coordinated through leadership. So while all these committees have their own jurisdictions, judiciary is where impeachment would start. Oversight has the broadest oversight jurisdiction in Congress. Um, They are all being coordinated. They're all communicating, and they're all working through the Speaker's office.
1: Right. Uh, It is interesting. We we don't—we (laughs) haven't— You know, originally, a couple of weeks ago, everybody was saying, oh, you know, day one impeachment hearings begin. But, uh,
4: no, yeah. that's not the sense I get from, and we've had most of the committee heads into our bureau to, um, you know, do on the record talks about this. And, uh, they're very aware. I mean, look how the impeachment process backfired against Republicans, right. um, during the Bill Clinton administration. They impeached him, and, uh, you know, there was a backlash against Republicans at the polls the next cycle. So, you know, they're very aware of, you know, not making this seem like a partisan witch hunt.
1: Uh, so there are 435 members of Congress, I mm-hmm. believe. Yes. There will only be 434 seated, correct?
4: I uh, believe so, yeah. Right.
1: Georgia. Yeah. What's happening with that? I think it's the ninth congressional district in Georgia, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, not Georgia. Uh, the, the one that's contested is Georgia. It is Georgia, yeah. But the, where they. Or is it North Carolina, Peter? No. You know what? It's North Carolina. It is North Carolina. I'm sorry. Yeah, North it is North Carolina. Carolina. We've yeah. all I, been on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. like, I've we're been out right. for two weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> <I understand laughs> it. But that—that's the one where a Democrat, the Democrat, yeah. right? And I—if we forget the players now—but um, they're going to start from scratch on. Them. I mean, yeah. Steny Hoyer has said we're not going to seat this Republican yes. who won based on yes. uh, some pretty questionable tactics about um,
4: about campaigning. And again. as far as I know, that's still the case. That's yeah. the last time I heard from Steny Hoyer on that. That was what he was saying. Of mm. course, that's now been a couple mm. weeks because it was before the Christmas. The holiday. last I
1: saw, the Republican Party in North yeah. Carolina had had also said, yes. you know this thing we can't we can't really support it." Yeah, we're so have I to think, start from scratch. I Which, think
4: the expectation is they're just going to be one member short at, at the beginning of this.
1: Yes, yeah. we're going to have to get back up back up to speed on that. And it could, if they start from scratch, then the incumbent. Who lost in yeah. the primary would still have a shot, maybe at yes. even holding I mean, on to that seat. Who knows what could happen? Because if they start, I it think it's kind of
4: uncharted territory. If they start from scratch, I think that it would kind of be exactly like a normal election would work. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and could I think anybody. you'd have
1: the same, maybe the same players, yeah. right? Yeah. With a different set of rules. Yeah. But it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in the Senate, um, yeah, there are a couple of changes, but. Mitch McConnell's still in charge, and no big no really big policy shift or direction.
4: no. It, I you know, I kind of expect this past Congress, all the action has been in the Senate. I kind of expect more of the action to shift to the House this time around um because while, you know, everything still hinges on the Senate in terms of getting it signed into law, um, there's just going to be a different dynamic this time around with kind of, Pelosi pushing the Democratic agenda in the House mm-hmm. and Mitch McConnell kind of trying to fend it off in the Senate by making sure it doesn't get enough votes. Okay, so I think he'll remain very focused on confirmations because that's the one thing he can, right. you know, get done really expediently.
1: Okay, now to the shutdown, right? Uh, so they're going to have this big meeting at the White House today, which Donald Trump called. They didn't ask for, but he summoned the congressional leaders down. That when the president does that, you almost have to mm-hmm. show up. Um, the chances of their walking out of there with a deal today?
4: I would say there's no indication <laughs> that it's likely they'll walk out of there with a deal today. In fact, the people on the Hill who I spoke to yesterday, because I had the the joy of working the New Year's Day shift um, when that was <laughs> announced, was uh, they were describing it not as a meeting. They were very careful to say this is not being called a meeting. This the is a- White House is calling it a border security briefing. And so the sense was they're being summoned to the White House not to negotiate, mm-hmm. but so that they can be talked at by members of yeah. the Department of Homeland Security um, that the White House has brought there to speak to them.
1: So they can be lectured on the need for yes. a border yes. law, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, Pelosi and Schumer released a plan Wednesday, a uh, Monday mm-hmm. um, to end the shutdown. Yes. Tell us about it. And what so their they-
4: plan, and they're still moving forward of it as of this morning, is uh, tomorrow when the new Congress is sworn in, they will immediately move to end the shutdown by passing a bill to fund every department except that's still unfunded except for the Department of Homeland Security and to pass a one-month continuing resolution to keep DHS funded while they continue to talk about wall funding a little bit more. Right.
1: So in other words, they they isolate Yes, really problem area. Mm-hmm. Get the rest of the government going mm-hmm. right away, mm-hmm. where they're they don't have border related issues, mm-hmm. right? And then give 30 days, of uh, basically to work things out.
4: Exactly, right? and that would keep DHS funded with 1.3 billion for. Fencing or other material, an additional three hundred million for uh, security measures. On the so
1: plan. one point six, yeah. right, which is where they started yeah. actually before Christmas. Yes, um, that that plan, I think it's a combination of six bills, isn't it, or something, or just yeah, there's two, about I'll a forget. half dozen,
4: um, right. but because it's each <laughs> each department would have its own, okay. own funding bill.
1: Uh, no doubt that plan passes the House, right? Yes. Boom. Uh the Senate.
4: So it's really interesting. McConnell has kind of taken himself out of this negotiation. He's been pretty quiet uh, over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I'll say so, right? Yeah. And so he has said, look, we're not going to vote on something if we don't know if Trump is going to sign it. But the problem is, you never know what the president is going to sign or not. I mean, he has told leaders in the past he would sign things that he then didn't sign. Even on immigration, they had a deal that was, you know, border security and DACA uh, at one point. Right. it fell apart because he said he no longer supported it. So I don't know how you know what the president is going to sign when that's the sort of negotiating territory. That
1: you're uh, remember the one deal that had to do with the debt ceiling? Um, the White House had announced he was going to sign it, and then he saw fo- he watched Fox and Friends the mm-hmm. next morning and mm-hmm. changed his mind and said he wasn't going to sign mm-hmm. so, it. Mean, you're you're I mean, right. You you're never getting, know. They're getting completely so,
4: mixed messages out of the White House.
1: Right. So uh, he has as you point out, refused to sign things he promised to sign. He has also signed things, I believe, that he said he would never sign. There, there were some budget deals where he said, a couple this is the last things, yeah. time I'm going to sign something that doesn't have all the money, $25 billion for the wall. He signed it anyway. Every
4: time they've done a funding deal, he has said, this is the last time I'm signing it. Right, and so this right. is why he's drawing this line in the sand right now.
1: So that's very interesting. So Mitch McConnell could... uh. Put it up for a vote. He could vote against it, but it would probably pass the Senate.
4: Well, the senators have approved a very similar bill in the past, so Good there's point. no reason why before
1: Christmas they did they approve a, yeah. a bill and with so, 1.6 billion. You know, right.
4: the Democrats are saying they've approved it before. Why not just put it up for a vote? Right. We both approve it. Then you know it's fully in the president's lap, and he can right. decide what to do with it. So if
1: McConnell did that, and the Senate voted yes, which I believe they would then it would really be fully
4: on trump on trump yeah right
1: on his desk and he either signs it or vetoes it If vetoes it the shutdown continues but then everybody would know right as i think we already know right well he's already claimed it he said he was proud he said he was proud to shut the trump but gets back to who's the leader of the senate
4: in these negotiations it's not Mitch McConnell. I don't know who it's going to be overall but in the shutdown negotiation, Donald Trump. he is he has really taken a back seat.
1: He ceded yeah. the authority to Donald Trump He
4: has on this issue yeah. And so all
1: right then the question would be, how long will Republicans in the Senate allow Mitch McConnell to do that?
4: Go along with that. And that's, you know, I don't know because this hasn't, this isn't the way prior negotiations have played out. Right. So this is kind of a new dynamic, and I don't know if it has something to do with Pelosi, you know, Democrats now being in charge of the House, so they have a little bit more muscle. Um, but, yeah, we haven't seen this before, and so they're just kind of an uncharted territory. You also have the outgoing chief of staff, John Kelly, saying, The administration gave up on a physical wall a long time ago. At the same time, Trump Trump has shut the government down over it. So uh, I think they're very unclear about what, you know, is going to be accomplished at the White House today.
1: Right. Who do you expect to emerge as um, – so Bob Corker and Jeff Flake are gone. gone. Right. Lindsey Graham, who used to be –
4: He's kind of gone back and forth.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I, uh, yeah I think he's safely um, uh, abandoned any credibility as a critic of Donald Trump, particularly after the holiday season where, remember, he, before Christmas, he was so upset about Donald Trump announcing that he was going to pull the troops out of Syria. That's what
4: I was thinking of as the this last was time the that worst. he criticized him. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, God, this was the worst thing he could have done. Just proves Donald Trump doesn't know anything about foreign policy, blah, 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 blah. And we thought, here's the Lindsay, the Lindsay that we used to know and love. He's back again. And then he went down and he had lunch with the president at the White House during the Christmas break, and he walked out to outside of the West Wing to the stakeout area, and here he is.
3: I feel better about Syria than I than I felt
5: uh, before I had lunch. I think the president's taking this really seriously, and the trip to
3: Iraq was well timed.
1: Uh, just took a lunch.
4: Well, I guess a lot can be accomplished at lunch, so maybe we should have higher expectations for today's <laughs> uh,
2: border man. security briefing. He was so aggressive about the oh, Syria thing. I mean, yeah. he said he was going to. Tw- I mean, uh, aggressive in air quotes. Yeah, he was going right. to tweet at Trump every day until you know, the message got through.
1: Then it goes down there for lunch. And lasted about a week. And, uh, I'm, they didn't play golf, though. I was going to
4: say, that's even more productive uh, than their uh, golfing uh, sessions.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, absent, uh, uh, certainly absent Lindsey Graham, absent Jeff Flake, absent Bob Corker, uh, who are going to be the, uh, the Trump critics in the new Senate?
4: Well, it's looking like, this morning, Mitt Romney. I mean, he has this op-ed out. He... Uh, is probably still a little steamed about possibly being led on a little bit that he had a chance to be Trump's Secretary of State and he uh, eventually chose other, you know, someone else. Um, Trump
1: invited him to have that dinner up at Bedminster, yeah. right? And there was no way yeah. he was going to be Secretary. of And so, of State. you know, in no terms way. in
4: terms of both a role as a critic and somebody who has uh, credible things to say on foreign policy, I think that you know Mitt Romney may be the new Bob Corker.
1: Boy. Nobody else. I mean, I, all I gotta the, say, he's the one
4: that comes to mind to me he, right uh, now. For, for yeah.
1: Me too. But I, 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 I just—he's such a weak read. You know, if he's the one that we're counting, counting on to carry, um, the, establishment Republican message, if you will. Well, I uh, right? would
4: say that none of all of them capitulated. You know, to an increasing degree over Absol- the past year. Or so. No.
1: Absolutely, which I find um, really stunning, because so many of them are not real born again Trumpers, if you will. I
4: mean, Flake towards the end held up nominations. He finally took a little stand, but it took until the last two weeks he was in the Senate, you know, for him to actually take action on something. There was his speech, and um, you know, kind of criticizing the tenor of Trump's presidency in Washington. But in terms of solid action, we didn't even see much from him until the very end.
1: Right. Amanda Becker is with us from Thomson Reuters. It's uh, I see reuters.com but it's also it's either reuters.com or Thomson Reuters. It's reuters.com. reuters.com. It is yep. reuters.com. Mm-hmm. Reuters r e u t e r s. We follow Amanda on all of our good friends over there including Jeff Mason, our former mm-hmm. president of the White House Correspondents Association. Um Elizabeth Warren. First one out of the pack on yes. the on New Year's Eve yes. actually. Uh, Outside of our home, up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Uh, Elizabeth Warren announcing uh, that she was forming an exploratory committee and um, out there to fight for Americans, particularly on the issue of education.
3: I grew up in a paycheck-to-paycheck family. And my big chance was a commuter college that cost $50 a semester. I run for office because I'm grateful down to my toes for the opportunities that were given to me. And I am determined that we will give those same opportunities, not just to some of our kids, but to all of our kids.
1: Well, the thing about it is, she's not the only U.S. senator, (laughs) right, who we expect to jump in.
4: So we had assigned pre-rights, you know, just a a peek behind the curtain of a newsroom for 20 Democrats who we thought might be running for president. Whoa. And I thought. Surely I can do these on my New Year's Day shift, because after Christmas, who's going to declare between Christmas and New Year's? Well, that person is Elizabeth Warren, and I'm sitting there in Ohio on New Year's Eve, and she, you know, jumps into the ring. Um, so, yes, she. Uh, it was interesting timing on the very last day of the year, and kind of in the afternoon, um, she threw her hat into the ring. Uh, she, I would expect kind of a cascade of individuals to follow her over the course of this month and then maybe a couple holdouts who are waiting to see what other people do before they make their decision. But I would think by the end of this month, 2020, fully underway, Iowa getting a lot of traffic.
1: So, uh, yeah, uh, Elizabeth Warren is going to be in Iowa this weekend, this weekend right? Um, but her fellow fellow senators, Kamala Harris, I fully expect to announce in January, don't yes. you? Yes,
4: she said that she was going to think about it over the holiday and make an announcement in the new year. So. Right
1: uh Cory Booker no Same. doubt
4: um i mean we're the expectation is he's going to you know explore it to some degree
1: right uh Kirsten Gillibrand mm-hmm. i mean i again i think no doubt i mean how how long any of these people last is yeah. a different question right but but uh Sherrod brown now mm-hmm. for sure yes. um i was in argon uh there's a lot of talk about jeff markley
4: yes he's Not also on he's argon. also on our list yeah yeah
1: right did I miss anybody?
4: In the Senate, I think that's the main Peter, characters. Peter, Kamala Harris,
1: Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Sherrod Brown, Jeff Merck. Oh, Bernie Sanders.
4: Bernie Sanders. And then there's also some people who are kind of Amy Klobuchar.
1: Amy Klobuchar. Yes, indeed. Whoa. People have One, even two, mentioned two, three, four, Maisie Verano. Seven, eight. That's eight. Uh, That's it. And we're out of time. Thanks so much for coming in. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. See you tomorrow.